25 days away. 25 days away from arguably one of the biggest pay-per-view events of WWE's calendar year. 25 days away. And the question is, what are we getting, right? What are we getting that's exciting? What are we getting that is intriguing when it comes to Monday Night Raw? What after watching three hours of what is another show that is lackluster, that is lazy, that is the bare fucking minimum, that's making you say, man, SummerSlam is going to be so much fun. I am so into SummerSlam now than I was 24 hours ago. Be honest with yourself. After watching three hours of pretty much the same fucking shit that we have been watching for legit, I want to say, ever since WrestleMania, all right? I mean, there's been many Monday Night Raws in the past that have been just as bad. I understand. But I'm talking as of this year, this calendar year, ever since WrestleMania, because that's been kind of the trend. That's been the M.O., on this platform that me as well as Brian, of course, as you can see, is not here with me today. He'll be back Thursday when we talk AW, AW Dynamite, all that fun jazz. And we have spoken, you know, what about this show is intriguing you to watch next week, the following week, as well as SummerSlam? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing. Absolutely fucking nothing. From this show alone, you're getting nothing. No intriguement. There's nothing's getting accomplished. It's the same redundant bullshit. Because what, what do you got? What, like, what, like, what do you got, guys? What, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I'm going to steal a quote here from Cody Rhodes. So what do you want to talk about? Do, 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 we, do we talk about a bootlegged bloodline storyline that is the judgment day splitting up that we had to put a briefcase on Damian priest to tell that story that the judgment day going into the show felt no different than it fucking ending it. What what, what else is there guys? Do let's talk about the fact that Cody Rhodes on live television with a live microphone admitted saying that, there's pretty much no reason for, for me and Brock to fight. <laughs> There's no substance. There's no story. He's just attacking me for no reason. That is a legit quote from Cody Rhodes. Do you want to talk about that? About how me and Brian, and I'm sure a lot of people in the IWC, have been right this entire time? Or, heck, do we talk about Rhea Ripley in a potential title match with Raquel Rodriguez? Yes, guys, Raquel Rodriguez, the, the woman with the back muscles, the woman that is attached to the hip with Liv Morgan, a part of a tag team that nobody gives a single fuck, who's holding on to a women's tag title, and better yet, the woman that has zero, and I mean zero connection, and much love to Raquel Rodriguez. I'm sure she is a sweetheart. She is a tremendous person. I am talking about, and I'm being, a, I am being as genuine and as honest as I can be right now. What about Raquel that is intriguing you to go one-on-one -on -one with Rhea Ripley for a fucking title? Somebody tell me. What the fuck are we doing? What the fuck is... 
what has happened to this freaking business? You know, I, I remember, man, freaking ever since, at least for me in my era of watching wrestling. And I know Brian has a lot of memories and stories that he can tell growing up watching professional wrestling in the 80s and the 90s, man. But I just remember when storylines and characters felt as such going into major pay-per-views like SummerSlam, like the Royal Rumble, like WrestleMania. And you're not getting any of that today. None. Everybody's being booked like they're just another member on the roster because that's just what they are. Outside of Roman Reigns, there's nobody that's special. There's nobody that feels as such. There's nobody that's in anything that's important or anything that has any any substance of relevance that's making you need to tune in. Forget want to tune in. You need to tune in. You know? And that's the problem with this company. And that's the thing that irritates me the most, man, is that, listen, because I am done. I am done trying to play nice in regards to not wanting to step on toes and trying to be the nice person to where we don't lash out and expose this company because we respect certain wrestlers, right? We don't want to talk about the fact that Raquel Rodriguez has zero connection with this crowd and the fact that nobody gives a fuck about her being in a potential title match with Rhea Ripley. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that Damian Priest holding a freaking briefcase does fucking nothing for anybody, you know? And a potential split with the Judgment Day, which also nobody cares about because A, they haven't been long enough for people to care. And B, they're not in anything important. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I just, I don't understand, man. 25 days away from your second biggest pay-per-view in your calendar year. And for another three hours on a Monday night, you got jack shit from Cody Rhodes legit admitting on national television that Brock Lesnar has been attacking him for no freaking reason. Just admitting everything that me and Brian, as well as I'm sure as many other people from the IWC have spoken about in regards to this, this feud and this story with (laughs) this story with Brock Lesnar, you know? What else is there, guys? Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle. Freaking what, RK Bro 2.0, right? The, the amount of feels and the amount of creativity that we could have had for Drew McIntyre coming back to WWE. And the plan was for him to attach him to Matt Riddle to feud with Imperium. For what? To, to go after a mid-card title? The same Drew McIntyre that went again, that went after a mid-card title that nobody going into it cared about. Sure, the match at SummerSlam was damn freaking awesome, but that's the problem. It's always the match at the pay-per-view that has to save it. I don't understand why we can't feel as such in regards to a story, in regards to a character leading up to a said match. You know, everything. And Drew, Drew McIntyre, he's in the same boat as he was before he freaking went off of television. There's nothing intriguing about him. There's nothing that I need to see Drew McIntyre do 
in regards to feuding with Imperium, there's fucking nothing. And speaking of Imperium, they're also splitting up. So, again, why? I don't know. We're going to get into it in just a second here. But, and that and that's what you got, man. You know? Freaking just redundant, lazy booking, week after week after week after week. And this is SummerSlam, man. Like I mentioned, that's 25 days away from, from today. And there is nothing, once again, outside of the bloodline. If that's the story that you want to latch onto, hey, totally understandable. It has been doing a tremendous job since it first started. But outside of that, there is nothing. Nobody, and I mean nobody, fucking cares. Nobody cares. You want to know how I know about that too? The crowd. Ronda Rousey walks out. This is the baddest woman on the planet to confront Shayna Baszler. We've talked about this over the years about potentially Shayna and Ronda feuding at one another, right? And you're now seeing it. And just how nothing, nothing clicks, nothing, there's just something missing. Ronda Rousey comes out with zero crowd reaction. Don't take my word for it. Just go back and look at the crowd yourself. Because nobody cared. And as much as I like these two, nobody cares about them being in a team. And I'm sure as damn well, nobody cares about them feuding against one another. They're going to have to go... They're going to have to do triple 10 times the freaking work. And I don't know, do they do a cage match? Do they do like a fight pit type of match that could save it? But as well, that's also the problem that it has to be the match that saves it. You know, forget the build, forget the intrigue, forget the investment leading up to it. You know, but it was a good match. And we re- and it's a vicious cycle that we repeat. No build, no care, but the match was really good. And we repeat the vicious cycle. You know, if you want to tell a story with Becky and Trish, I'm all for that. Make me care. Make me get invested. Make me want to tune in to see and to say to myself, I need to see Becky and I need to see Trish and I need to see what they do next week. Have they been doing decent stuff? Okay. But is it enough for me to say I need to see what they do next? The answer is no. And that's what I mean, man, about this platform and about this podcast. It is not about just what we like or dislike. It is about being honest. Be honest with yourself. Do you really give a shit about Damian Priest potentially cashing in for a world championship? Answer's no. But you know who you could have gotten it from? L.A. Knight. Because guess what? The dude was over, regardless of how he got there, because now there's this freaking trend in this wrestling, in this wrestling world where we need to face struggle and adversity. There needs to be, there needs to be a freaking build or a freaking struggle to get to something. What the fuck, man? I mean, this, this, I mean, I just find that so odd. Their job is to get over. R- regardless if the machine has been behind them, regardless of what they've done, they're organically over with the crowd. 
And now you're not, you're not making it any easier for LA Knight. You're just making it harder for the dude. And Damian Priest is going to potentially cash in. And he's feuding with Finn Balor with the Judgment Day, who's been also booked like shit as of late. And we, and they expect us to care because they're like, oh, it worked so well with the bloodline on SmackDown or it's working well with the bloodline on SmackDown. Let's try to have that same magic over on Monday Night Raw. But again, there's one problem. Nobody wants to care. They haven't been there long enough. And they're not in anything important. At least over ever since WrestleMania, they have not been anything important. As well as pretty much every single member of that roster that is not a part of the Bloodline story. And that's just a fact, man. You can disagree with what I'm saying. But you guys know if you're being, like I always say on this platform, honest with yourself you know that I am fucking right, dude. There is nothing about three hours of what the fuck I watched last night that makes me that much more invested to see what Becky Lynch is doing, what freaking Drew McIntyre is doing, what Gunther is doing, what the Judgment Day are doing, what Shayna Baszler is doing, what freaking Alpha Academy is doing, what Tommaso Ciampa is doing. The list goes on and on and on and on. And nothing changes. And we want to act like this company has it all figured out, right? They want to act like everything is peaches and cream, right? And everything is going to play out. Let it play out. Yeah, haven't heard that one before. And how? And where's and where's that getting this company? Fucking nowhere. You know, nobody feels special. There's nobody like a Shawn Michaels anymore. There's no, there's the, the, the Undertakers, the Batistas, the Randy Ortons. Hopefully Randy Orton comes back at some point. Fingers crossed. Hopefully he's okay. Shout out to Randy Orton. Edge is coming at the end of his career. There's no Stone Cold. There's no, there's no Rock. There's no Roddy Piper. Rest in peace to Roddy Piper. No, no Ultimate Warrior. No Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. No Bret Hart. These guys are not going to walk through that curtain, man. Because that's the difference between those guys back in the day versus now. And that is the weirdest freaking notion about today is that as long as you're a good technical wrestler and as long as you can do X, Y, and Z and do all the flips and do all the dives that the people like the Ricochets and the freaking Mustafa Ali's can do, then you're special, man. You're going to be a star when nobody has any connection whatsoever to these fucking people. Nobody fucking cares at all. That's why this show is inconsistent, right? That's why freaking, you know, ratings are where they're at with Monday Night Raw and good for SmackDown, right? And that's, and that's the bloodline alone, right? Let's, let's not act like the show as a whole was a, was a great show this past Friday. It, it was the bloodline story alone that got that 2.5 plus million in ratings this past Friday. But that is the problem. We continue to latch on to the bloodline and the bloodline story alone. When this company needs to start giving a shit to that same degree with the judgment day, with Tommaso Ciampa, with the Miz, with freaking Seth Rollins, with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. How sad is that as well? Speaking of the bloodline, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens 
ever since that epic WrestleMania victory, winning those tag titles, they have been devalued ever since then because of shit and poor fucking booking. Nothing about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens has been that much more special since they won those freaking titles. And now they just feel like placeholders because that's what they are. Because now, now it's just, how are we getting the titles off of them? Because that's what fans are going to react, unfortunately. That, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm freaking, <clears throat> I'm choking here. That's how much I'm, this, this show is just driving me up a wall. But nobody, nobody cares about these wrestlers, man. No one has a connection with anybody on this roster. Nobody. You know, like I said, there's no, there, no, there's not going to be a Bret Hart or a Shawn Michaels or an Undertaker or a Randy Savage, an Ultimate Warrior, a Stone Cold, The Rock. Hell, freaking Doink the Clown. I'll take freaking Doink the Clown at this fucking point, guys. That's where I'm at. But they're not coming through that curtain. They're not. This is what you got. You know? And again, we act like this company has it all figured out, right? Oh, they got it figured out. All right. They, they figure things out to where they want to sabotage their own fucking product. Because like I always say about this company, they are petty as fuck. They will sabotage their own freaking product, right? To make sure people like Austin Theory, Charlotte Flair, as well as many others, even now Raquel Rodriguez now is now going to be in that category to where they are going to try their hardest to push these fucking people and to shove these people down your fucking throat to make you give a shit about them because they're in the limelight when there's no connection to why they're even in the fucking situation in the first place. Because the experiment is not working. They are failed experiments. Austin Theory is a failed experiment. Charlotte Flair for eight plus years is a failed experiment. Raquel Rodriguez is on the verge of a failed experiment. Being attached to the hip with Liv, freaking Shotzi. The list goes on and on and on in a pathetic women's tag division. That is just the drizzling fucking shits. And we repeat this vicious cycle. And I know, guys, I know. I, I know that there's a lot of people, and maybe not a lot of people, I don't know, but some people that are probably sick and tired of me bashing and moaning and, and, and just trashing this product week after week after week. But guys, I don't know what you guys want what, what you guys want me to tell you. And actually, there is a few positives. Small positives. They're very, they're like a teensy, teensy bit that were actually somewhat positive in the show. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But trust me, guys, I want to come onto this microphone and in front of this camera and say every positive light and everything that is going great with this company. I truly do. And, and I have done that in the past with Brian on this platform on many occasions. But at the end of the day, man, it is about honesty. Honesty to where you know deep down that these shows can be 10 times better. These shows could be way better than what this company is producing. And that includes SmackDown. As well as the Bloodline story has been done very, very well. 
And as much as we latch onto that, there is nothing else. And they try to do the same thing with the judgment day and nobody cares. Nobody cares about Damian Priest holding onto a briefcase that he could potentially cash in and much love to Damian Priest. And I've said this on many, many occasions. I like Damian Priest. There is potential in the dude, but now is not the time to play cute. You had a chance with LA Knight, a guy that is already over. I don't give a fuck how he got there. He is over right now. And you strike while the iron is hot and you don't even put him on the show this past Friday. What the fuck? But let's put Damian Priest to pray and hope that that freaking briefcase is going to get him over. To tell a story with Finn Balor that's not even freaking needed to have him hold on to that fucking thing. You know, the show goes off with the Judgment Day being reunited, being, you know, being united, being an, a united front. Went from bickering at each other to now being in a united front. And now you're going to see that again tonight on NXT, which is actually right now as I'm recording this right now. NXT is on the air right now. And you're, the Judgment Day are probably in a segment as of this moment. And it sucks, man, with the Judgment Day. They should be feeling as such, right? They should be a big deal. They should be top merchandise sellers. They should be a faction that feels as such. And they've had their moments, right? Because I don't want to get that twisted as well. A lot of these names that I have mentioned, guys, have had their moments, absolutely. But consistently, and from again, from an honest and genuine standpoint, long-term, of where we want to see them go and what they're involved in, nobody cares. There's no need. There's no FOMO. There's no fear in missing out on anything, right? There's nothing. Guys, I am at the point when I get to the main event of this show, which by the way, spoiler alert, it's another fucking six-man tag. Are you shocked? I'm not. I'm at the point where I legit zone out. Like, I'm done. I can't even freaking bother to hardly write a par not even a paragraph, screw a paragraph, two to three sentences of notes on these sheets here. Nothing. I'm completely, like, just at the point where it's been three plus hours of redundant, lazy, nonsensical BS to where... It sucks the sh the fucking life out of you, man. It really does. 25 days away, man. SummerSlam. One of your biggest pay-per-view, or I'm sorry, premium live events is what we call that now, right? One of those, the biggest pay-per-view events, premium live events of your calendar year, right? The second best show outside of WrestleMania is in 25 days away. And there is no intrigue. There is no, there's just no investment into what's going on, right? Could some of these matches, these future matches be good at the event? Sure, absolutely. But man, I just wish that we had a card, right? From top to bottom that yes, looks good on paper. But leading up to it is just feels that much more important and that much more exciting because the story, the build, the characters, and everything was done right. 
and you're not getting that anymore. And it's fucking fans out there that want to kiss Triple H's ass, right? And think that he's got it all figured out with LA Knight, with people like Karrion Cross, with people like AJ Styles, with people like Cody Rhodes, thinking that him winning a, a freaking championship at WrestleMania 40 is once again telling the same story because there's more story to tell when it's going to be the a completely different freaking book admitting that he's in a freaking feud with Brock, that there is no reason for him to be fighting him in the first place. And we're going to get to that as well. But yeah, man, this is what you got for three plus hours of just of nothing getting accomplished. Nothing. Nothing is making you want to, making you need to tune in next week, the following week, and most importantly, SummerSlam. That's 25 days away. And if you guys are being truth, truthful to yourself, you guys know that I am freaking right. So with all that being said, man, I'm going to try to get through this show as quickly and as painful as I can. Um, you know, again, I appreciate you guys holding up on me for a, what, close to a 30-minute cold open. But I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to jump straight into the show. Um, I'm recording this late on a Tuesday night. And I want to try to get this out to you guys um, as quick as I can. So I'm going to jump straight into it, man. This shit show that once we got again this week, which is Monday Night Raw. Let's get into it. Monday Night Raw, July 10th, 2023, live in Buffalo, New York. Finn Balor starts the show off. His music hits and he enters the ring. Talks about uh, how he blames Damian Priest for not settling things with Seth Rollins and how he should be world heavyweight champion as of as of this moment. He should be champion if it wasn't for Damian Priest distracting him at Money in the Bank. Um, Freaking Dominic, as well as Rhea Ripley, they come out um, trying to calm Finn Balor down. Rhea Ripley puts the hand over Finn Balor's microphone. You know, Finn Balor's like, listen, I'm calm, I'm good, I'm fine. He puts the hand over his microphone or she puts the hand over his microphone. Uh, Balor and they're having a discussion off of the, off of the microphone. He's in disgust. Balor walks away. Um, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, so Balor's upset. I'm like, okay, so... Because here's the thing too, man. As much as... <laughs> after everything that I mentioned in this cold open to start the show... You know, I am always willing to give something a chance, right? That's the, that's the critic and that's the, that's the fan that I am. As much as I can't stand something, as much as I personally want to bash something just for my own personal, you know, just tendencies or whatever, I will always give something a chance. Okay, Finn Balor, he's calling out Damian Priest. Okay, you could kind of set something up to where, okay, this could be intriguing, right? Finn Balor's pissed. He's calling out Damian Priest. You can set something up to where it's cool. So he leaves, he walks away. And then Rhea Ripley says some words, you know, just to fire back at what freaking Seth Rollins. Um, Cause Dominic, I believe had a, was supposed to have a match later on in the night. I forget what was said guys. Again, man, I, I don't have the fucking, the frick, just the, just the, the care to know what fucking Rhea Ripley was saying in this. I just, I just didn't give a shit, but uh, <laughs> she says some words, Seth Rollins music hits, 
Dominic was actually good in this freaking segment. He's like screaming and yelling now. He's just sick of people booing the shit out of him. Every every city, every which way he comes, he's just getting booed out of the freaking building. And he's raising his voice. He's like, nope, not today, man. Cut the music. Cut it. Cut the music. <laughs> so shout out to Dominic, man. Trying to make something out of nothing. Telling the fans to shut up. Freaking love that. Seth Rollins comes out and eats. He's Guys, he's eating fucking chicken wings. He's eating buffalo wings because they're in Buffalo, New York. You get the connection. WWE creative at its finest, man. He's fu- your world, your WWE World Heavyweight Champion. The paper, the the paper said title, right? Is freaking is eating chicken wings, coming down the rampway. <laughs> Moving on. Um, t- Seth Rollins, he says some words about the Judgment Day imploding. He's trying to like rub it in their face because, you know, Finn Balor walked away. There's obviously tension and cracks in the Judgment Day. Um, Segment ends with setting up a match between Rollins and Dominic Mysterio again. However, that's not the case, but I will get to that in just a second. So, look, man, I I, appreciate, look, much love to Dominic, man. Him screaming and him you know, telling production to cut the music and screaming at the fans to shut up was probably the best part of this entire segment, as well as Finn Balor trying to, again, I always make this assumption of making something out of nothing. You know, again, I'll take segments like this that lead to something that's interesting, you know, that gets us captivated through the rest of the show. You know, it's like we always see a lot, guys, and I've mentioned this before as well, starting the night off with a match or just a freaking whatever. So you set something up like a promo like this. I mean, I, could we get even more creative and more fans to get intrigued with this segment? No question. But you can still set set something up to where later on in the night people get investment, people get invested and want to see what happens later on in the night. And I'm going to get to that shit in just a second because, look, man, it's like, you know, like Seth Rollins, like the freaking he's out there eating chicken wings or buffalo wings because it's Buffalo, New York. And he's trying to like, oh, my God, man, it's just WWE creative, the most corny, cringy fucking shit. But anyway, I know I'm probably upsetting a lot of people right now. But anyway, more more to that uh, later on in, in just a second. But. Um, up next, we have Drew McIntyre Matt, and Matt Riddle facing Imperium. Gunther is at ringside. He gets involved. He gets dropped by Matt Riddle um, You know, on the outside. Drew McIntyre hits uh, Vinci with a Claymore um, and picks up the W. So he hits his Claymore kick to Vinci's face and wins the match. Post-match, Gunther and Kaiser, they leave... They leave Vinci at the rampway as they walk out on on Giovanni Vinci, one of the members of Imperium, as it seems like there's a little bit of, I guess you can say, tension with Imperium. Guys, here's the problem with like the Judgment Day and Imperium, right? You would think it's like back in the day, like with factions breaking up, it feels as such. What about Imperium? Because they've been booked like shit. <laughs> I'm talking about this whole faction. I'm not just talking Gunther himself. Gunther's had his moments, even without really the machine behind Gunther. What I mean by that is, yes, he has the title. He's held it for a long time now. I don't know his exact days of his reign, but he's in nothing that's that's intriguing. He's 
the you know he's helping himself because his strength is within the matches you know matches like with Sheamus the matches like the triple threat at WrestleMania I mean ever since WrestleMania ever since that match I haven't guys I'm going to be honest with you there's nothing about Gunther that I really need to see because the faction as a whole is just a fucking joke and now we're supposed to care about friction in an, with within within the Imperium faction when we haven't given a fuck about this faction to begin with. Because there's nothing to care about. Anyway, and then there's Drew McIntyre. Like, man, there was, look, much love to Drew McIntyre. That dude, He's such a good dude. And he this is a dude that should be feeling as such, right? You know, we've mentioned a lot of names on this roster. But Drew McIntyre is a guy that should be one of your top, legit, one of the big stars of this industry and he doesn't feel as important. He, he, it, it, his booking has even been worse before he left. He's attached to fucking Matt Riddle. Like he's Randy Orton and RK bro. Like what the fuck? He's cracking. Weird, like, like he's, he's in these supposed to be in these comedy. He's in these comedy segments with Riddle, like making, weird little jokes like what the fuck are we doing with this guy you know there was so much like potential of him of his return and what you could have done with this dude you know have him return as a heel a badass heel something that's new something that's refreshing and he comes back and he's doing the same fucking shit with gunther going after an, an a mid-card title that he doesn't even need to fucking go after in the first place why is he going after a mid-card title, guys? The same shtick with Gunther. Oh, but the match, James, is gonna be is gonna be great. It's gonna be physical. Okay, I agree with that. But can I fucking care? And can I make a can I feel about Drew McIntyre and, and what he's got going on leading up to the match? Like, is that so much to ask, bro? Make me care about Drew McIntyre and what he's doing. I know he's going to put on a, a, a solid match with Gunther. At least that's what it's leading to. But can I feel as such about the motherfucker? I haven't felt anything about Drew since he was since he was WWE champion years ago in the pandemic era. And that killed his momentum. He was never the same since. And we attach him to the hip with fucking Scooter McGee, Matt Riddle. What the fuck? Out of everything that you had in line for this dude, you have him in, you have him feud with Imperium to be attached to Matt Riddle. <sighs> Unreal. You know. Oh, James, I like it. This is really cool. It's really fun. Okay, good. Good for you. Right? Unfortunately, majority of people could give two fucks. Drew McIntyre is supposed to freaking that this dude is supposed to be a badass freaking Scottish freaking warrior, whatever you the hell you want to call him. Supposed to feel as such. He's nothing but another guy on the roster. Be honest with yourself, man. You guys know I'm fucking right. You could have done something new, something different, something fresh with Drew, and you're having him do the same shit that no one gave a fuck about before he left television not too long ago. And now he's with Matt Riddle. It's the same Drew McIntyre. And now he's with Matt Riddle. Intriguing shit, man. Such, so, so fucking intriguing. 
Uh, the Judgment Day's backstage, you know, trying to get on the same page, you know, s- you know, trying to Balor's talking with saying that he wants a crack at Rollins first and they make amends and like Priest again teases a potential cash-in, like he teaches a future cash-in saying it's covered or whatever, like something along those lines um, and walks off again, man. Like I give a shit about Damien Priest. Guys, I really don't care. Like I'm, guys, I'm not saying this to be, yes, I try to be as entertaining as possible for you guys, but everything that I'm saying is how I genuinely feel and everything that, you know, is just in the moment is just, it's just, again, I'm not just spewing my opinion. This is genuinely how I feel. And I'm just being honest in regards to crowd reactions and everything else as a whole, man. Nobody fucking cares about Damien Priest holding on to this freaking briefcase with a story with Finn that doesn't, that's not needed for him to tell the story at all. It's just, it's just not, it's just not needed, bro. It's just not needed. Um, and then Sami Zayn was in a backstage segment uh, with Rhea and Dominic as they were trying to, they had made some funny, trying to make like a funny little shtick. Like, oh, Dominic, he worked on his cardio in prison and now he never gets tired. And, you know, and listen, shout out, listen, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they're fun. Again, guys, they, these people have their moments where they're funny, where things like a segment for what it was was solid or for a match what it was is solid. But the consistency of a character development and a storyline that they're in, there's no, there's, again, there's no consistency and nobody cares enough because there's nothing to latch onto. You know, they're, they're trying to make something out of nothing that they're involved in. There's nothing important that they're doing. They're just making funny, cracking jokes. And that's, and it's funny again, to an extent. And I can understand if you had a good laugh, good for you. That's awesome. Uh, and I thought it was funny at times as well, but that doesn't change the fact that what Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are doing right now, and ever since they've won those titles, it's been nothing important. Nothing. They've just they have matches with Imperium. They have matches with Judgment Day. They have one-on-one matches, and you know, and to you know, f- to to tell a story within the tag division, we have to have. One member of a tag team face another member of a tag team, and we and we repeat the vicious cycle, bro. And they're they're just placeholders. At the end of the day, man, they're they're placeholders that has lost its momentum, that's lost its mystique since WrestleMania. Again, man, you guys know that I'm freaking right. Indusheer is coming back to Monday Night Raw. Um, the fuck. <laughs> Um, weren't, cause weren't these dudes just on raw and now like they're cutting of, they're cutting a vignette, a video package and on their Twitter handle, again, they go to Twitter and I know it didn't say it in the show, but on Twitter, it's like, Oh, they are, they are coming to Monday night raw motherfucker that they've been on fucking raw for over a month and a half. What? What are we doing with this with this fucking team? Like, what is going on here? D- does this company think we're fucking dumb, or do they just are 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 we at the are we at the point where this company just doesn't want just doesn't want to use any common sense and logic anymore? To where we've seen this this team debut, right? And now they're just 
they're putting on a video package and the, whoever runs their Twitter and social media is saying they're coming back to Monday Night Raw. They're coming to Monday Night Raw. They're making their way and their appearance to Raw. The fuck are we doing? Again, and, and again, within this year, bro, you know, this is another team that has the look, has the visual to feel as such with Jinder Mahal. If you want to put him in that role as, as the manager or whatever, it can work if you, if you gave a shit, but clearly they don't know how to book the, how to book this faction or this team and, and uh, nobody, whatever momentum or whatever they had, <laughs> whatever glimpse of hope they had, it's fucking gone. I mean, they're, they're not even on, they're not on this show consistently and nobody can connect with these fucking people. Nobody. So, and that's our number one. So again, man, what, what, what do you want to talk about, about, our, uh, about our number one? What, what, what was captivating? What was exciting? You know, setting up a match, uh, with fricking, uh, <laughs> with, with, with fricking Rollins and, 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 uh, and, and Dominic again that we saw last week. Talk to me guys. What, what, what is it? Fricking Damian Priest and, and, and Balor trying to get on the same page in a faction that's been momentum that has been dead for months. T tell me guys, what, what is it? Drew McIntyre and Matt Riddle being attached to the hip against Imperium, making Imperium look like shut. Like guys, what is it, man? What, what's making you, what's really making you excited next week and SummerSlam? I, I'd love to know. Talk to me guys. <laughs> you know, people, people, you know, you can say I'm an asshole. You can call me all these things, man. But at the end of the day, man, I'm a fair, I'm a fair asshole. I'm an honest asshole. I'm a guy that calls it, you know, the way it is. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry, man. That's just, that's just how we run things in, on this community. So, um, but moving on, mo moving on into our number two, you know, maybe, maybe things get a little bit better, right? Maybe things start to start to pick up. Right. And you know what, in our number two, you're going to hear some positivity here for, for, for the time being. And that pot and that hour number two starts off with Ricochet. That's right, guys, Ricochet. And I know what you guys are thinking. Wait, James is about to speak heavily about Ricochet, like positive about Ricochet. Yeah, I am because of the shtick that he's got going on with Logan Paul. He comes out there, his music hits, he enters the ring. You know, he talks about the brawl that him and Logan Paul had at Money in the Bank. He calls out Logan Paul to the ring and Logan Paul obliges. He comes out, his music hits. You know, freaking Logan Paul is talking this shit. Freaking Logan Paul, man. Say what you want about this dude. He, he's really just alongside of Bad Bunny as well as many of these celebrities. However, we want to feel about these celebrities coming into the business. They, they figured out this wrestling thing pretty darn quick. And, and with Logan Paul, it just feels right because, again, people just... They want to hate Logan Paul. They just don't like the dude. So it's easy for this dude to be a heel. And he plays it well, man. You know, I know there's a lot of even talk within the wrestling world how, oh, it's easy for, for fans to turn on you. It's easy to be a heel, right? Bullshit, man. <laughs> it's not like the way that Logan Paul is, is, is carrying himself in being the heel, being the asshole, being the douchebag. Not everybody can do that, bro. Even in the wrestling industry that people have been doing this for 10, 20 plus years. You know, not a lot of people that have been in this business for so long can do what Logan Paul is doing in such a short amount of time. So I give kudos to Logan Paul where, where kudos is due. 
So Logan Paul is out there. You now his music hits. He calls Ricochet a little boy. <laughs> he's like, listen. Um, he's like, listen. He, he talks about money in the bank, right? He talks about money in the bank saying, you cared more about me losing than you did winning, right? And then Ricochet is like, he's trying to talk shit to freaking... It's a freaking listen. Ricochet still needs some work in his believability, man. I still just everything that comes out of this dude's mouth. This was a better version of Ricochet because I truly believe the best was brought out of him in this segment. And again, you can thank Logan Paul for that. So Ricochet's trying to talk shit about you know nobody cares about you or something along those lines about you or wanting to win Money in the Bank, and he's taking a selfie with the kid. At the rampway, he's like, oh, nobody, nobody. Here I am taking this kid. It's, it's, clearly, this dude's a fan. Like, seriously, nobody, nobody, Ricochet. Come on now. <laughs> so he's taking selfies with a kid as Ricochet's trying to talk shit. He threatens Logan Paul saying, you know, not to run his mouth about Ricochet ever again. And freaking Logan Paul's believability is like, or what? <laughs> like, what are you going to do, my guy? <laughs> He says, uh, this is this is Logan Paul, and I quote, he says, I will not be intimidated by a dude in a medium-sized button-up who's 90% forehead. <laughs> oh my God, freaking that. See, that, that got a pop out of me, guys. See, there you go, guys. I'm being positive about a WWE production. There you go. You want some positivity? Here it is. This is this is the positivity you're getting. And it involves Logan Paul and Ricochet. Who would have thought, right? Um, just freaking Logan Paul, the way he carried himself throughout this entire segment was freaking awesome. Just, I mean, just playing the asshole in the douchebag role, just so freaking well done. Um, you know, listen, and he talks about, you know, Logan Paul is like, he, he goes on to say like, you know, like, I'm not scared of you. You know, you're, you're fighting me. You want to call me out because you want to go viral, right? You know, you want to face Logan Paul to get a few clicks to get your, to get your name talked about. You know, and he's like, listen, you know, you're not worth my time or whatever. You know, listen, I want to, I just want to get the hell out of Buffalo because it sucks here. <laughs> just trashing the fans of Buffalo. Um, and then Ricochet does like a front flip from the ring onto the floor. There was like a similar thing he did in NXT in a feud with Velveteen Dream. Shout out to Velveteen Dream uh, from NXT. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that name. He did a, a familiar move where... He does the flip. Um, he does the flip. He does the front flip. He jumps over the ropes and onto the floor and lands on his feet. Um, and then freaking Logan Paul's reactions. He's like, see, that's good. That was cool for a TikTok. <laughs> he's, he's like, bro, I'm not a TikToker. I'm a professional wrestler, man. I am, I am in this for real. Like you guys want to disrespect me about you know, because because he's also gone gone on to say how Ricochet is unprofessional and the spot that they had and ta and talking about references in their podcast. And you can even tell with Ricochet, like a lot of that stuff has really, really hit personally with Ricochet. And I feel like they are trying to take some of those personal feelings and put it into a storyline, which I can respect at the end of the day. And you can tell that you know, there is some realism into it, right? Because of what was said in the podcast and they're trying to make that into the story. You can tell that Ricochet does feel a certain type of way about it. And and you can feel it, man. And, and this is what I mean about Ricochet, dude. Like I can get behind Ricochet, right? And if you put him in the right spots, 
and you put him in with the right person, that's Logan Paul, and you let him rock, right? You, you make a personal type of angle, a story that they can build and lead to SummerSlam, and it seems like that's what's going to happen, a, a match between Ricochet and, and Logan Paul. And we know the match is going to be great. There's going to be a lot of oohs and ahs, and they're going to put on probably one of the best matches, if not the best match on that, rest, on that SummerSlam card. No question. But now there's... Now there's a little bit of substance, right? There's per it's personal, right? There's a personal aspect behind it. And I like that, man. That's what I mean about Ricochet. Just because I know in the past I've spoken very negatively, you know, I don't like using that word on the, on this platform, but I have been very negatively, negatively, but for justified reasons that Ricochet outside of a few flips and dives, there has nothing about his character that's intriguing nor nothing that he has been involved in that makes me want to give a fuck about him. But now you do this and I can be on board. So he does that front flip and, you know, Logan Paul's reaction again was he takes off the sunglasses as he's wearing sunglasses. He's like, listen, that was cool, man. That, that was pretty sick. But for a TikTok, right? And, and he kind of, listen, you're not, worth, you're not worth my time. This match is not happening or a future match. Like I'm not, I'm, we're not, we're not letting this go any further than it needs to be, Right. Goes to walk away. He tries to sucker punch Ricochet. Ricochet drops Logan Paul where he stands with like a sunset type of flip or whatever. Um, well, not a sunset flip, but like a reverse, a reverse DDT as he kind of springboards off of the uh, off of the uh, off of the ropes from the outside and drops Logan Paul. And Ricochet stands tall, walking up the rampway. And Logan Paul's like he's kind of shaking his head, like, "All right, all right, you got me. All right." He's like, he's, he's got a smile on his face and everything. Yeah. Hey, let, let me, let me get a clap, man. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that say solid stuff. There you go, man. So as much as listen, I know, I know guys, like I can be, I can be negative at times. I know I can be very harsh about things, but I'm telling you, I'm not a hard person to please, man. All right. It doesn't have to be my favorite wrestlers. It doesn't have to be people like Bray or Roman or a Sasha, but no, if you want to put Ricochet and Logan Paul in a feud, right? And I was skeptical about it at first because of how we feel about Ricochet and how there's really no connection with Ricochet. But if you do it properly to where Ricochet can feel as such and can build momentum, you know, once this feud is done with, then hey, I can get on board with it. So, so much props in that aspect here. So let me give another proper clap, man. Shout out to Ricochet and shout out to Logan Paul. Legit, probably the best segment of this entire night. Legit. I'm not even joking. Logan Paul. And that's the thing is too, as much as I respect and like Logan Paul a lot, you know, that, <laughs> you know, it's bad, right? And I know I have to make, I, I have to turn this into a completely different direction, but you know, it's bad when Logan Paul is the one and only bright spot that is captivating, that's intriguing. And that makes you want to see what they do next. That's when you know that shit has hit the fucking fan, bro. Like legit. But shout out to both men with Ricochet. Um, you know, definitely Logan. This I think with Ricochet, it, it's definitely this feud can definitely do wonders for him if it's done well. We'll we'll see what they do moving forward. We know the match is going to be damn solid. That's when people like Ricochet can show off those flips and dives, right? So we'll see, man. I'll give it a chance. 
we'll see where it goes. So yeah, hey, golf clap. Very decent segment. Not not bad at all. Up next, we have Becky Lynch and Zoe Starks, or Becky Lynch versus Zoe Starks. Uh, Trish Stratus still wearing that face mask. She's at ringside. She gets involved. She trips up Lynch to try to create a distraction. Starks looks to roll up uh, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch gets caught with the ropes. Um, Trish gets involved once again, distracting distracting Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch counters the 360, takes out Trish Stratus, who's on the ring apron. And Zoe Starks wins via the awe-inspiring, the ultra-devastating... Roll up finish. You guessed it. And that's right. Zoe Starks rolls up Becky Lynch. Look, b- before before I say anything else, Zoe Starks is good. I-, I will give I will give credit where credit is due with Zoe Starks. She is good, man. There is something there with Zoe Starks. I see it. I can see it within her matches. I can see even the, the situation that she's in with Trish. There's something there with Zoe Starks, and she hung she hung toe to toe with with Becky um, in, in regards to putting on a decent match and making things work. But here's where I go into a different direction, right? You're, you're trying to build Becky and Trish, and I've said a lot of positive things about Trish, and rightfully so. And Becky Lynch, I like Becky. However, she's just very inconsistent in, in regards to. Just in, in regards to her work and as well as her momentum as of late, like nothing about her Mon character, the man, is that much more like important and that much more relevant than when she first started this man character. I want to say what, five years ago, four or five years ago. So and you have her get rolled up. By Zoe Starks. So this finish is gonna is is getting me. You're telling me that this finish is getting me excited to where I need to see Becky Lynch face Trish Stratus at SummerSlam. Come on, Be- Becky Lynch getting rolled the fuck up, man. I understand, guys, the distractions. I get it, man. But these people need momentum, right? I must mo men. Tum, that's what they need. And Becky Lynch has had none of it. Shout out to Zoe Starks. You know, there's something there and I will shed positive light in regards to that. But man, like there was, again, I, I, it's, I know it's a, I know it's a, it's a very, it's a trend, but I'm going to mention it once again. Nothing about this match makes me that much more excited about Zoe Starks and Becky Lynch or Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus in a SummerSlam match. It just doesn't. I'm sorry, guys. I know and that may that may be very very harsh to say, but it, it's just it's just the reality, man. You know, it's and listen. I want to like Becky Lynch again. I think she is talented. You know, I'm not saying there's no talent. There's no talent in the woman, but it the mystique about her and her mon character, it's it's gone. It's been gone, man. And if you're being honest with yourself, you guys know I'm fucking right. There's nothing about Becky Lynch. Does she have her moments? Yes. Does everybody else in this company or on this roster have their moments? 
Absolutely. But their consistency, their momentum, their magic in regards to creating a real true connection in building a story. Because as much as I, you know, don't mind you telling a story with Trish and Becky, right? Get me intrigued to get to that match. Make me care, right? And unfortunately, and this is just the truth, regardless of how I feel about it, there is not a lot of people that feel the same way, you know? But they want to trash Trish, which I don't fucking get because she's been the one slimmer of positive light in the show to where I understand you could be, you know, to an extent, I understand to where you could be building your women's division, you know, in, in spots to where Trish Stratus is at right now. But if that's what they want to do, then so be it. Just make me care at the end of the day. But unfortunately, at least in regards to this week, they're not doing that in a roll up finish. You know, that's really going to get me that much more excited to where man, Becky Lynch, you know, is really, you know, really, really has the momentum in the bill to beat Trish Stratus at SummerSlam. Come on. What the fuck, man? It's ridiculous. I don't know. Again, maybe just using too much logic and common sense. I don't know, man. Just unreal. Unreal. Uh, Maxine Dupree graduates from Alpha Academy. Viking Raiders interrupt. Valhalla attacks Maxine Dupree from behind. She she takes her she takes her varsity Alpha Academy jacket, as she knows. They do the whole graduation ceremony thing. And Shout out to Alpha Academy, man. Like there, there is something again. I, I said this about with Zoe Starks as well as many other performers that have the same type of the same type of feel. There's something there where it can work and they can feel as such. With Maxine Dupree, Chad Gable, and Otis, there is something there that's entertaining. And I understand, guys. I might be in the minority for this, but I actually, for what this segment was, or at least the graduation part of the segment. I actually was entertained by it. Seriously. You know, until of course the Viking Raiders come out and they just come out there to take away Maxine Dupree's jacket. Like nothing about I nothing about this shit, man. Just it nothing fits. Nothing fits the character in this story or whatever the fuck this is to where there is a connection with a with the Viking Raiders. Or in Alpha Academy. You know? It's just weird. It's just real. Like, these, the Viking Raiders are there. They, they, they create a distraction to take away Maxine Dupree's Varsity Alpha Academy jacket. I, I just... I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, man. I, I just... I don't understand. And now they're going to have another said match. Because that's another way we have to tell stories within this company just have match after match after match after match after match and nothing gets accomplished everybody's 50 50 booked as you guys know one person wins one week the next person freaking just loses another and we just we repeat a vicious cycle man and it goes on and on and on and on but hey shout out to alpha academy for parts you know again i emphasize the word parts of this of this segment to where it was it was, you know, entertaining at times, and I want to jump on board with what they're doing with the Viking Raiders, but nothing fits, man. Like, everything just feels so off and just out of place, especially with the Viking Raiders. Like, 
again, man, just don't take my word for it, guys. Just go back and watch yourself. And it's it's everything. It's pretty much just everything that you need to know in, in, in a nutshell. Um, so that's that's all I can really say at, at the end of the day. Shayna Baszler versus Emma. That's right, guys. Emma. Match time was 90 seconds. Baszler just legit just squashes Emma in 90 seconds via the Carafuda clutch. Rousey's music hits. Guys, there was legit crickets when Ronda Rousey came out. There was like a little bit of claps and a little bit of like a handful of people in the crowd that were somewhat excited to see Ronda. But outside of that, guys, go back and watch yourself. Nobody budged out of their seats when Ronda Rousey's walking down the rampway. Nobody fucking cares. As much as I like these two women, nobody cares, man. Nobody cared about them as a team because they were placed in a weird tag title situation that they did not need to be involved in. And now you're feuding with them. You're here having them feud against one another to where, again, nobody could connect or want to care about them as a team. So why would we now care of what has led up to that? Care about it now when they're feuding. The turn was fun. I didn't mind that. But, and this is a feud where you're going to have, and listen, it's, and, and you can tell where they're, where they're going with this, right? And I, and I don't mind it to an extent to where, look, they want to use more of their actions as opposed to their words, right? These are women that they're badass, they're tough. They like to use their, you know, use their fists to do the talking. Um, but yeah, man, it's just something they try to brawl. They try to make it believable and it's just. I don't know. It just didn't hit, man. I just, I didn't feel nothing about what I've watched in that brawl segment did not get me any more excited about it, man. I'm sorry. There's something there. I agree, but guys, just the atmosphere of the crowd and everything else. Like, and here's another thing, like who's the face and the heel here. We thought it was Shayna Baszler last week and Shayna Baszler is retreating up the ramp. Like she's the fucking heel. So now you're going to have Ronda Rousey be the face. Yeah, that's really, <laughs> that's really, yeah, that's really smart business, uh, business sense there, Paul Levesque. Holy fuck, dude. Um, I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't know what, so, and that's the thing too, because now you're turning off fans even more of not knowing who the face and the heel is. Shayna, ba Shayna Baszler's retreating up the ramp. Is she the heel? Is Ronda Rousey the heel? You would think she's the heel because she's already naturally, she's already naturally hated and fans are more behind Baszler than Rousey. So you might, <laughs> but yet Baszler's the one again, man, the visual, everything is just, it's so out of place. The brawl segment was okay. Um, they're brawling with each other. They're trying to go counter for counter, trying to, you know, showcase like their actual fighting skills, like their jujitsu skills or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, I mean, golf clap, I guess. But man, I, I this, I don't know, dude. It's just nobody cared. And again, man, I'm not just, I'm not visualizing this just from my perspective. It's just from everybody who has felt this such about this team, this pairing. And now this company expects like a different type of energy 
to now when they're feuding. Sure, people are going to be happy to where, okay, thank God they just dropped the titles and now we, we don't have to worry about them being a team. But at the end of the day, man, it's just like, can we... I just, you know, the the suspense and the build and everything in regards to the turn. I like the shock factor of it at Money in the Bank, but nothing about that moment at Money in the Bank from the turn has progressed. Nothing. You know, you had a cool few words from Shayna Baszler in a, in a promo, but there was nothing special about the segment itself. You, I remember only one line from that segment. And that was the beginning of the segment where Rowley's like, listen, I can speak for everybody that we're all, we are, we are all sick and tired of you trying to speak into a microphone. That was actually funny, but I want to like this feud. I want to get on board with it. I, I've had such not high hopes, but like visuals of how this could play out. And man, with only what three shows left to SummerSlam, they're going to really have to, to kick this thing into high gear because like, what are you like? So you're going to rely on the match again to, to do a, what a fight pit type of a match, like type of a, like an actual cage fight type of a match. I, I don't, I don't know. Like to me, like that's kind of the only saving grace that you kind of have in, in regards to this entire, this entire thing. So, so Emma loses, you could have just had a fucking jobber from Buffalo, but let's just throw Emma in there. Cause why the fuck not? Uh, she's already a fucking jobber anyway. So, you know, what's the harm of having her out there and losing in, in, in 90 seconds? So, and that's it, man. Moving on to our number three, Cody Rhodes, the American nightmare. He hits the ring. His music hits. He talks about his momentum as of late. Kind of ironic, right? How, I mean, if you guys know this dude's momentum ever since WrestleMania, I've been highly vocal about it, that this dude's momentum has legit hit a fucking brick wall. Um, ever since WrestleMania, when this dude should be holding on to titles, he could, he could have been doing so much for, you know, the feud with Brock and how it would make more sense. I know I'm not going to let that go. I know you guys are probably sick and tired of me hearing it. I don't give a shit, man, because everything has played a part of why this feud doesn't make sense because of not giving Cody Rhodes those titles at WrestleMania. I know. I know. <laughs> Enough talking about it, James. We get it. <laughs> Well, tough shit, bro. <laughs> you're going to hear me. You're going to continue to hear me say about that shit, man. You know, not because I'm holding a grudge, not because of that. It's just because realistically, because of a, of a poor booking decision, it is affect everything in the process. That's just what it is, man. It's not because I want to lash onto something just because I want to latch or lash out at it. It's not the case at all. That's not this platform. I'm not a fucking... I'm not a bitch boy that's going to bitch about everything. Just a bitch. Like it's, come on, man. Like <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not what we do in this freaking in, in this community at all. But anyway, so Cody Rhodes is out there. He talks about, you know, his momentum and how things have been a bit shaky, right? Oh, things have been a bit shaky, but however, the crowd is still into him. He says, Oh, the crowd is sold out. The crowd is electrifying. It's behind me. And he talks about the mountain, you know, and there's a reason that the mountain in front of me, he references, you know, the mountain that is in front of me trying to get where I need to be. And that is Brock Lesnar. He says, we all deal with a Brock Lesnar in our lives, you know, a fear of heights, anxiety, you know, debt, you know, freaking, you know, taking a wrong turn in a, in a, in a marathon race. <laughs> we all have a Brock Lesnar in our lives. Right. And he goes on to talk about that as, and when it's all said and done in this, in this, uh, 
in this in this segment, Cody Rhodes challenges Brock Lesnar to a rubber match at SummerSlam. And this guy's, and I'm not even bullshitting. This is legit Cody Rhodes, and I quote, I am going to finish, right? I am going to finish the chapter. I'm going to finish this chapter that you've started for no reason. Because <laughs> legit, it's true. That's why I'm laughing. There has been legit none. There has been no reason. So Cody Rhodes has just admitted to you that there has been no reason for this this story to even be taking place. And there, there's just, there's nothing. There's no substance. There's no reason to why Brock is attacking Cody. And that's why no one gives a fuck, man. As much as I like Cody, as much as a great of a storyteller, because that's what Cody Rhodes is strong suit is, is a being a storyteller. He really truly is. You can dislike Cody. You can not like him or whatever, but you, this dude him as a storyteller is just, it's next level. But he's telling a story with no story. It's like trying to drive a car with no fucking engine. It's just, it, that's, and that's, that's where Cody Rhodes is at, man. That's, that's, that's his booking right now in a nutshell. So, and he talks about his final words saying, I will be next in line. I'm getting maybe next in line to face Roman Reigns for that title. Again, you know, as much as I want to get on board with it, dude, I wish them luck. If if they if that is what legit that they want to do for WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia, I wish them luck creating that same type of magic and feel that you could that that you had and that you could have gotten the moment that you could have gotten at WrestleMania 39. I wish them luck, you know, because as of right now, Cody Rhodes, the momentum that he has, right? The momentum like he re he referenced in this in the segment, the build and how he feels as such. Sure. We care about Cody Rhodes, but like we said about LA Knight, if this company is not going to give a shit about what he's involved in, then there's only so much that this dude can do, you know? And that's, and that's a problem to where he's in a feud with Brock. That should be entertaining. That should be fun, but nobody cares because there's no story. And he admitted that to you in this promo. Brock Lesnar, I'm going to finish this chapter, Brock, that you started for no reason. You got to laugh, bro. <laughs> like you, you just got to fucking laugh. You know, and he talks about, I will be, I will be next in line. Um, I don't know if that's next in line at the, at the line at Starbucks or the next in line to go on to one of the rides at freaking Carowinds. I, I don't <laughs> Uh, I, next in line for a championship. Okay. Like again, should be holding on to a fucking championship. Freaking Paul Levesque for fuck's sake. Golly, man. Anyway, moving on. But so, yeah. So Brock Lesnar, Cody Rhodes, rubber match at SummerSlam. Yay. <laughs> oh man. Just, you know, like we didn't care about the first that we were baffled about it the first time and the second time. Now this company just cares about make expects us to care about it a third time. Fucking ass backwards, man. Tommaso Ciampa faces the Miz in a no disqualification match. Both men are brawling outside of the ring. Freaking Tommaso Ciampa is just beating the living shit out of the Miz. He, he grabs a chair that I guess he set aside for this match or planned ahead to grab a chair. Um, through the first section of the barricade or whatever, as he's walking down the ramp in his entrance, speeding the shit out of the Miz. Freaking 
Corey Graves is like, so he's trying his hardest to like, he's trying his hardest to explain the rules about a no DQ. And, and the, the guy legit says, you cannot win via pinfall. You can't, you can't win via pinfall or Oh God. And freaking, he's like lashing out at freaking Kevin Patrick's like, Kevin, like help me out, help me out here, dude. Like what the, like, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Guys, it's a mess. This entire shit was a mess. And speaking of Corey Graves, man, and much love to Corey, like the dude's botching and butchering his lines. And that's again, man, the, the, the shtick that he has with Kevin Patrick is non-existent, bro. There's nothing there. And, and, and he's botching his lines and his delivery on commentary. There was a spot in the match where freaking the Miz, there was a spot to where he was supposed to be, he, he was supposed to be on sitting in one of the commentary chairs and, and freaking Corey Graves was supposed to get out of the way. The dude just casually gets out of the way and he's got like his feet crossed and he's just like, He's no, you know, and get, forget trying to sell the fact that there's a, like, there's a fight in front of you within like a foot in front of you. This dude's just like, just sitting there just again, like, like it's the last place that he wants to be. Like, again, it's like, I, I always talk about this with people, not just with wrestlers, but just with any talent going through the motions, man, how every, it's just, you know, and you see it with the talent. And with Corey Graves, dude, go back and watch it. You know, when freaking Tommaso Ciampa's delivering chops to the Miz while he's sitting on his commentary table, Corey Graves is just crossing his legs, laying, you know, you know, leaning against the barricade, like just, you know, try, you know <laughs> not even selling the fact that there's a fight right in front of his face. And like, you know, you would think like, oh my God, there's so much chaos in the ring. No, he's just like, just sitting back and just, you know. He might as he might as well just go up and grab himself a cold beverage up in the frick in the fucking concession stand, bro. You know, just just make yourself comfortable, Corey. You know, but anyway, move, moving on in regards to that, uh, Champa, he he starts driving his knee into Miz's face with one of the trash can lids. His freaking tables were brought out, freaking chairs were brought out. Champa goes or Champa hits a, I guess you could say like a reverse power bomb or a power, not really a power slam. But he has Miz on his back and he slams him through through a uh, through a table. He goes to the cover and Bronson Reed, yes, guys, Bronson Reed gets involved and attacks Tommaso Ciampa. He hits him with the tsunami. Miz crawls into the cover for the W as Bronson Reed stands tall in the middle of the ring. Um, or excuse me, he stands in, he stands tall at the rampway and Miz is standing tall, victorious in the middle of the ring. Are we doing this again, bro? Is this how we're, we're going to further a, a feud with Miz into my, so, so, oh, oh, so better yet. Are we going to form DIY guys? Gargano and Champa is, is that, is that what we're doing? We're trying to reveal the glory days of black and gold, right? And listen, I like DIY, right? And that's probably where it could lead to, where it's going to be, you know, now Tommaso Champ, it seems like he might need some help in regards to now having a, a Bronson Reed problem, because once again, we're attaching Bronson Reed to the Miz. Like that really fucking worked out well. Um, <laughs> nobody gave a fuck about, uh, about them teaming or whatever. It's just weird how all these young, NXT talents just always 
attach themselves to the Miz. All of, like Gargano is probably going to be a part of this. It would not shock me. Champa and Bronson Reed. All these NXT attached to the fucking Miz. Why? Why? And and we're gonna reform DIY. And what's that gonna do, guys? Seriously, ask yourself that. What is DIY going to fucking accomplish? They're gonna form this team, right? They're gonna have their little moment and 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 face the Miz and Bronson in a tag match. And then what? They're they're, they're gonna form a team in a non relevant tag division. So, so what so what the fuck are we doing, bro? What what about forming DIY long term is going to help them like as a team? The tag division's not existent. So they're going to defeat Miz and Bronson and do what? Come on, man. I just like, bro, like you gotta, people have to understand this is a different regime, dude, from NXT black and gold. This is not Triple H, Paul Levesque, Papa H booking a one hour NXT show on the WWE network. That's, that's not, that's not what this is anymore. This is a different regime with a different production. If you expect DIY black and gold back in the early freaking 2015, 16 days, you are a fucking idiot. You're trying to build a a tag team that's in a non-existent tag division. They're going to form the team and do what? I like DIY, man. They did some tremendous shit at, 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 in freaking NXT that I still remember to this day. Trust me. I like DIY. I am all for it. But what is it leading to long term? In a division that's not properly built. Come on, man. And, and we're doing this shtick with the Miz. You know, I wish that they could have just had this no DQ match, right? And could have just been done with it. You know, you've you've already listen. I like the fact that the Miz is somewhat serious again, and and could be taken as such. And it and it's because of this Tommaso Champa angle. You know, and, and they've had even segments to where they had some really cool personal segments that felt as such that really captivated like yours truly, like the Miz getting amplified at his promos. That's the Miz that we need to see more of. Right. But you know, but if this is how you're going to treat the, the, the build of these two feuding at one another, just, just to have a, a random no DQ match in the middle of your Monday night raw show at that point, I'm just like, okay, let's just, have Tommaso Ciampa win and just be done with it. And now, guys, Tommaso Ciampa's been back nine months. This fucking dude has been out. And now we're gonna re and now we're gonna do what? Reform him with Johnny Gargano in a tag team in a nonsensical tag division that's gonna do nothing for either one of them. They're better off not forming and staying in fucking catering. Uh, guys, I'm I'm being serious. They're going to have their little moment with the Miz and Bronson. Okay, I agree. But outside of that, what are they going to do? Right? Not everybody watches NXT, guys, unfortunately. There's a lot of casual fans that don't know much about DIY. So you're, you're going you're gonna to push them, what, to a future tag a, a tag title opportunity? Probably in, in the very near future. And, and it's going to gravitate to what casual fan, bro? 
Sure, it worked for the IWC for NXT. What is that going to do for the main roster? This is a different regime. It is not going to work the same way, guys. Just because it's Triple H and he did somewhat good things in NXT when in reality he had people like Shawn Michaels, freaking, you know, William Regal, as well as others, Dusty Rhodes, rest in peace to Dusty, in a one-hour NXT show, you know, on a WWE network, right? But now, now you're on national television. Now you got to book a three-hour show to where Triple H is even admitted he doesn't know how to book the third hour. He doesn't. He's admitted that to you. There's He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, nor does he want to put the hard time and effort into it because he's just like Vince McMahon, guys. He's no fucking different than him. You know? He's going to form DIY to do what? In a non-existent tag division, that's going to be a waste of time because they're not going to put any ounce and care and effort to make this situation with the Miz and Bronson Reed feel special and the DIY team feel as such moving forward. I'm just telling you, man, you know, I know I'm, I could be in the minority of it. I know there's a lot of people that could disagree. I'm just telling you guys right now, man, do not expect DIY to have the same amount of feel that you had when you watched NXT years ago. I'm telling you, you know, just again, at the end of the day, man, this is just me being honest to all of y'all because that's what y'all deserve at the end of the day is my honesty and my genuine takes and putting my opinions aside. So, um, up next, Rhea Ripley interrupts a confrontation between Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, uh, Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. You know, Rhea Ripley gets face to face with Raquel Rodriguez freaking, you know, they're getting face to face and freaking, you know, you know, Rhea's like, listen, you know, get into my business again. And that's, that's three strikes. You know, you got into my business last week, you do it again. That's three strikes. And Chelsea Green's like, yeah, three strikes basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's uh, it's cheesy and corny, but guys, it's funny, man. It got a pop out of me. I I'll take any little type of entertainment. Was it corny and cheesy? Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> it's Chelsea Green. It fits her character. And guys, I'll take any amount of entertainment <laughs> at this point. Just any glimmer of it to make me laugh or whatever. Right? It's not going to change anything how I feel about this show as a whole, but things like that I'll freaking take, man. Chelsea Green. Props to her. Like I feel like she doesn't give she doesn't get an, enough credit to how she is uh, she she holds herself with this character. So much props to her. And for yeah, Rhea Ripley's like, um, who's we? And they just slowly back their way. Like, oh, we got in Sonya Deville's like, oh, it's all right. We we got to be somewhere anyway. Um, and then you know Raquel and Rhea come face to face, and you know Raquel's like, we are gonna stop you. You know, as Liv Morgan was saying some words early on, and she says, we are gonna stop you deal with it as they walk off as they were um, about to be in a we're going to be at ringside for a tag match uh, that was coming up next so so yeah man um Raquel and, and 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 Rhea Ripley at SummerSlam are you guys excited are you guys intrigued right are, are, are you guys so pumped up for Raquel and Rhea Ripley Rhea Ripley your champion that hasn't done shit since Wrestlemania again it's no fault to her own against Raquel Rodriguez, a woman that nobody can connect nor give a fuck about since she, since she has debuted on the main roster. Nothing. She's holding a fucking tag title 
And instead of building her and Liv, if that's what you want to do with Liv and Raquel, fine. Make me care about this tag division. But you guys say, fuck it. And said, you know what? The best, the best situation we have for Rhea is for her to face Raquel. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? And, and you know what the sad thing is, is that the face-to-face, right? You have Raquel, who is slightly a little bit few inches taller, by the way, and Rhea Ripley. And you see the visual to where, man, it could work. You know, again, just because it's not my favorite wrestlers, man, doesn't mean that I don't see this visual of these two women and say, man, if you book this properly, this could be badass. This could be fun. There's one problem. There is no connection. There's no substance. There's no care to why these two are feuding at each other. Rhea Ripley has not done shit since she's won that fucking title. She's done nothing. It is no fault to her own. She's been more a freaking freaking Dominic's lapdog than anything else. And, and then you have Raquel Rodriguez smiling. Raquel Rodriguez, you know, with showing off her back muscles because that's all the fuck she does. does. Has she done anything besides show off her back muscles? Anybody? <laughs> it's funny, right? I know <laughs> because that's, that's, that's all she's done is just show off her back muscles and smile at the hard cam, right? Because that, that's what they want you to do. They want you to smile more, right? That's what Vince back in the day would want to say. You gotta, you gotta smile more, kid. Let me, let me see those. Let me see your smile. You know, it's, it's gonna be good shit, pal. <laughs> oh my God. It's just, yeah, it's smiling Raquel Rodriguez that nobody cares, that nobody latches on to. Right. She's not existing in merchandise sales. She's not existing in pulling in viewership. And you think it's a you think it's the best, the, the best decision at heart to help your show is to put her in a fucking title match. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> I remember when title matches, right? I remember when title matches actually felt as such because it was when a superstar was built properly getting that title. They had the momentum. They were over. They had the magic and everything in regards to them holding that title. So to win, they do win that title. The moment is special because there's a connection with the crowd. They built them up properly and everything felt right and it felt in place and now we're just getting random motherfucker after random motherfucker in a in, in a title match to say here you get a title match you get a title match you get a title match even the people here like freaking uh akira dozawa you want a title match here you go uh freaking uh omos you haven't been on tv in a while you want a title match here it is here you go you got it in two weeks um let's see there's gonna be another tag oh, there's gonna be another title match uh, coming up. Uh, Drew Gulak, do you want one here? Here's another one. Here you go, buddy. Here you go. Take that. Four weeks, man. Four weeks is the title match. Now get ready for it. What the fuck are we doing, guys? You know, it's just like you... And we say this a lot, too, about Charlotte Flair and how she's always thrusted in this title picture to where nobody feels a certain way about her. 
right? Oh, they feel it. Oh, they feel a certain way. They feel a certain way where they want to get her, where people do not want to see her on, see them on their fucking television screen. Do, do not want to see her on their television screen. You know, that's the feeling for Charlotte Flair, for Austin Theory, for Raquel Rodriguez, because we see through the bullshit. These people are not ready to be in a title feud. Why the fuck is that so fucking hard to get through people's skulls? These people are not ready. They are not over. They are not connected with fans. You put those people in title matches that do have that connection, and then it, it that way the title victory and the match feels as such because people, you know, have a connection and they want to see a certain wrestler perform. Or am I using too much log common sense and logic? But let's keep pushing, you know, let, let's keep, let's give Raquel a freaking a women's tag title. That, I mean, that nobody gives a fuck about. It's, it's, it's no better than a, than a 24 seven title, right? It's just as fucking useless. Um, yeah. And, and now let's throw her a, a, a women's world title match. Freaking Raquel Rodriguez guys. Much love to Raquel. I, seriously. Much love to her. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. She has a great heart. And I'm sure she has a true love and passion for this business. But again, man, just because I like and respect somebody doesn't mean a fucking thing. Because it's time for us to be fucking honest with ourselves. Raquel Rodriguez, she has no business being in a fucking title match in SummerSlam. The second biggest pay-per-view of your calendar year. Out of all fucking events, Raquel Rodriguez, the way you've built her as of right now, come on, enough. We move on into this women's tag title match. Speaking of tags, you know, actual freaking tag teams, Katana Chance and Caden Carter, as they take on Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green, I guess winner of this match gets a tag title opportunity. Um, and once again, guys, Katana Chance... And Caden Carter fucking lose. Not only do they lose, but they lose in legit under freaking three minutes to Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green wins the match via the awe-inspiring, the ultra-devastating. That's right. You guessed it. It's the roll-up finish. That's right. Chelsea Green rolls up Katana Chance, and they are number one contenders against Liv and... Raquel Rodriguez. Like we haven't seen this before, have we, guys? This women's tag division, fucking A. I, I just, I, guys, like, what else do you, what else is there need to say about this women's tag division? It is fucking pathetic. So you take the, you, you, <laughs> you have Alba Fire and Isla Dawn lose to Shayna and Ronda to give the titles back to Raquel and Liv to have another fucking tag match with these same two fucking teams that nobody cares. Nobody cares. How many times are we going to do this match? Right? If, it didn't, if, if nobody cared about it the first time, or the second time, or the third, what makes us think it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to matter the 10,000th time they have the match? You know, I like Chelsea Green. She does a tremendous job with her character. And, you know, she does, she can only do so much to what she's been given in the places, in the segments that she is in, you know, and Liv Morgan as well. Tremendous talent, but 
Her being in a tag team with, with Raquel is just weighing her down. I've said that since day one, and I mean that to this day. You know? And, and Katana Chance and Kane and Kaden Carter, another fucking NXT. Like, what? I mean, all these NXT talents getting the short end of the fucking stick. It's like, it makes you wonder, like, what the hell is going on in freaking in freaking Florida, dude? It's like all these NXT talents, they get into these situations and they just, they fucking lose. They look like fucking idiots, right? Freaking Braun Breaker, right? I get it. Oh, James, it was exposure. I get that motherfucker, but you could be giving him better exposure to where the dude actually feels like a legit threat and becomes in an actual freaking storyline that's captivating and that can connect with motherfuckers and Carmelo Hayes. Now with Carmelo Hayes, I can let that slide. Right. It kind of fits the character. It kind of like the post, what was it? The post show interview that he had kind of fit the, the baby face persona of him. So I can let that slide for what it was. And then you did it with Grayson Waller this past freaking Friday to where Edge, you know, says you swam tonight, kid. Where it connect it it doesn't make sense to how the character is portrayed. Cause he's a fucking heel. And now you have and <laughs> And now, because that's because that's what that's what being built up is nowadays. As long as you go toe to toe in a losing effort, right? You put on a decent to good match with the main roster talent. You're special. You made a name for yourself. That's weird. Is is that not weird? Am I like honestly? And we've done it with Katana Chance and Caden Carter, where they had a big. They, they had a big match with Shayna and, and Ronda in defeat. And, and all they do now is fucking loose. They made a name for themselves. And now all they can do is just lose freaking matches in under two to three minutes. Come on, dude. Cut the shit. It's just like enough of like this college try type of build. Like enough, man. It works with certain individuals, not for everybody. You can't do that all the time, man. You can't. At some point, these people have to fucking win matches, bro. They have to fucking people. Fans have to make them fans have to make them feel like they're like they're a legit threat. Like they're actually winners. You know, like how many fucking losses can these can these people take with Whatever. I, I just... God almighty, help me. Moving on. I, I want to get to this main event. Um, main event is a six-man tag. Sounds familiar? It freaking should. The same build. So again, for another three hours, this is what you had to look forward to. Is a match between... With Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and The Judgment Day. Right early on in the night, and I think I missed this segment, but early on in the night, you know, Seth Rollins and Dominic they were setting up their match, their singles match, and I'm thinking like, okay, we're gonna get this again. Dominic attacks, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Dominic attacks freaking Seth as Seth is distracted with Rhea. The whole entire Judgment Day come out, right? And you would think, okay, four on one beatdown, make the Judgment Day feel special. Boom, bada bing, bada boom. You know, and then you have freaking Kevin Owens and then you have Sami Zayn, you know, and, and, and now, and you know that we're once again for the bazillion freaking time, however many times it's been now, 
to set up another six-man tag again. No cliffhanger. There's no build to a storyline that's gravitating, it's captivating, that gets you want to watch early on or later on in the night. Guys, I'm not kidding you. By the main event, I I legit zone out every time we get to the main event. There was nothing, and I mean nothing about the end of this show that makes me want to see how this show goes off the air because I know what I'm getting. There is no FOMO. There is no fear of me missing out because I know how these shows fucking end because they end the same every freaking week. It's ridiculous, man. So they all come out. They set up the tag for later on the night. And here we are in a six-man tag against the Judgment Day of, uh, as well as Finn Balor. And uh, and your tag, or excuse me, Seth Rollins, as well as your tag champs, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, Sami Zayn was late to break up a pinfall. <laughs> I know, nitpicking, I know, but that was something I just had to reference in my notes here. Um, Rhea Ripley gets involved. Damian Priest hits the South of Heaven chokeslam and followed up by a coup de gras from Finn Balor onto Sami Zayn as they pick up the W. So Priest and Balor... They shake hands. Seems like they're on the same page, at least for now. And the Judgment Day, as a unit, as a as a collective unit, stand tall. And, okay, you would think to yourself, okay, cool, right? The Judgment Day standing tall, feeling like a faction, right, James? That's what you always want, right? You want a faction feeling like a freaking faction. But, guys, and, and, right, and, and here's another thing, too. It's like the Judgment Day as a whole. They've been featured a lot of this show. They've been in a lot of backstage segments, whether it's Priest and Priest and Finn Balor, whether it's just Dominic and Rhea Ripley, right? It's just like, but it's it's what they're involved in, right? You can have somebody be involved majority of a show all you want, but if they're not involved in anything special, it doesn't matter. Because these shows end the same. Nothing about the Judgment Day or what they're involved in or as a faction, a faction as just as a faction. Nothing about them makes me feel, makes me feel about them any different to when the show started at the top of the, at the top of our number one. Nothing was different. Because everything is the same. These shows are a car, carbon copy of every single show throughout your calendar fucking year. Every day, every freaking Monday, you get an opening promo segment that sets up sets up a six-man tag. We get the six-man tag and we go and we just go off the air with the winner standing tall with no real cliffhanger, nothing that really gets us excited and intrigued and need to tune in next week. Nothing. These shows end the same. I don't care how many times you want to put the Judgment Day on television, right? Because we should be feeling as such about the Judgment Day, right? We should be caring about the Judgment Day. And they've had their moments, right? Just like I always say about a lot of wrestlers that they have had their moments in this, in this company. But, you know, but that's all they are, is just moments, flashes in the pan because the consistency of their booking is non-existent. So, ex so sorry for me that I'm not intrigued with a Judgment Day potentially splitting up type of story. Sorry, not sorry. I'm just, I'm not into it, you know. 
And that's what makes me pissed off more than anything because you had to, you, you took a, you gave LA Knight, right? You took a blunder to his booking to put this in the same formatic, formulaic show to tell a Judgment Day story. They all end the same, man. Let's not act like anything's different here. Because there's not. You know? It's how we're getting there. How are we getting to the split? Do people feel as such about the Judgment Day? Right? You know? I would care more about this Judgment Day feud, again, if A, they were around long enough, and B, they've been booked consistently as such, and none of those factor in. None. So what makes me care about this split, about this story, and Damian Priest holding a fucking briefcase? Do we like the Judgment Day? Do we have respect for them? Absolutely. And they should feel as such, right? They should feel as a dominant freaking faction. They should feel as like as a top, as a top uh, act in your company. They should be in your merchandise sales at the top of the list. They, they should be a talk of the professional wrestling industry, not just from the IWC and from the diehard wrestling fans, but the casual fans and everybody around the world. But that's not the case, man. You're trying to latch on to a bloodline storyline and you would and you're trying to hope and cling on to the fact where it can work with the judgment day. The problem is the bloodline has been built as such. The judgment day has not. And that's the problem. And you're trying to build the same magic that the bloodline has had for two to three years and say, Let's do the same with the Judgment Day. But nobody cares because the Judgment Day has not felt as such. Rhea Ripley always says, right? We run Monday Night Raw. My ass. You know? And that's what you got. Are you excited about SummerSlam, guys? 25 days away. Who's excited? Talk to me. What about this show makes you excited? Hmm? Drew McIntyre and, and Matt Riddle together? Attached to the hip? Imperium, for some odd reason, whether it's Vinci being getting Das boot or the the faction imploding, what is it, guys? Right, because Imperium is another freaking faction that doesn't feel doesn't feel as, as freaking captivating or as important or as freaking relevant as they should be. And now we want to split them and and expect us the fans to care about what what is it, guys? What are we doing? Cody Rhodes in in, in continuing a feud that has no story. Right? What are we doing? Raquel getting a title match against Rhea Ripley? What are we doing? Telling a story between Finn Balor and Damian Priest that nobody fucking cares about? Having Damian Priest hold on to a briefcase that nobody fucking cares about? What are we doing? What are we doing? Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey? Nobody knows who's a heel, in a heel, heel or a face? What are we doing? The only thing that I can think that's anything positive was Logan Paul and Ricochet. Think about that for a second, guys. Logan Paul was the one major bright spot out of this entire fucking show and Ricochet because I will give Ricochet his credit because, you know, he was a part of the segment. It takes two to tango. I will give Ricochet that credit. But again, for what the segment was, you can thank Logan Paul for that, you know, 
Sorry, not sorry, guys. 25 days away. Sorry, not sorry that I want to feel a certain way going into in what is one of the second biggest pay-per-view events of your calendar year. You know, sorry that I want to have actual intrigue and feel and, you know, investment into a feud that that's not the bloodline. And the bloodline has also had their issues as of late. And we're, and I'm going to talk more about that this coming Saturday when we talk Friday night Smackdown outside of that, man, there is fucking nothing. You can produce the bangers after banger matches. All you freaking want. Nobody is going to care when you produce this shit that I have on my notes here, another show, another three hours. That is the most drizzling of shits that you're, you're pushing stars that have no connection with your audience. You're, you're, you're making things harder for your guys that should be getting those big pushes and it's ass fucking backwards and nothing is getting accomplished. Right. You know, and we want to act like that this company knows that they have everything planned out. They have a plan for LA Knight. There's no fucking plan. Their plan is to kill and cool off LA Knight's momentum as soon as possible. That's their fucking plan. Oh, no. Yeah. Trust me. I am not done talking about LA Knight at all. And I'm not done talking about the shit that has happened ever since WrestleMania because it, everything in regards to that has influenced up until this moment we are at right now to where we could be getting a better product is would it change the landscape of everything? No, but could we be getting a better product that could make sense? And that would be somewhat better than what we're getting right now. Absolutely. But unfortunately it's because of those botches and it's us, the fans because of these botches and because of these boneheaded fucking decisions and these shows that this company does not want to give two fucking shits about to put on paper to make us the fans care to push wrestlers that have no connection with the audience that are not ready to be in a glorified limelight freaking title picture setting. But let's freaking let's give Cody Rhodes and put him in a in, in a freaking feud with Brock Lesnar with no feud. Let's kill L.A. Knight's momentum. You know. These guys that should be that, that should be doing wonders for your company, as well as people like the Judgment Day. I don't mind the Judgment Day, right? Being on television, right? And being and, and being the focal point of your show. But sometimes just because they're putting on them, putting these putting these guys on the show often doesn't mean anything. It's about what they are involved in. They could be they could be like the bloodline and get almost an hour to an hour and a half of freaking TV time of a two hour to three hour show. If there's no, if there's no investment, if there's no intrigued, if there's no need to tune in to see what the judgment day does next week, then there's no point. There's no point of it. And again, guys, don't take my word for it. Go back and watch that crowd in Buffalo last night how nobody cares the crowd reactions that you get from LA Knight versus Damian Priest, the crowd reaction you got from Ronda Rousey and how you're the baddest woman on the planet. And now she is just another freaking woman on the roster. Regardless of how you want to feel about her, man, this is a woman that could have had a place. These are people that could still have a place. 
but it's people like Triple H have their that have their heads so far up their own fucking ass, right? That if we continue to kiss that ass of Paul Levesque himself, nothing is going to change because those are the people that he wants to cling on to the most. The people that are going to accept the bare minimum and want to latch on because Triple H held black and gold and told a you know a, a, a decent to good show on on Once Upon a Time on a Wednesday night, you know, on, on the USA Network or whatever. And we want to latch onto that like it's going to be, it's going to have that exact same feel when in reality, it's not. You people have got to wake up, man. This is a different regime. And if we don't say anything, if we don't cut the shit, this shit is not going to get any better. And that is the truth. And that is your Raw review. That is Monday Night Raw for July 10th, 2023 live in Buffalo, New York. I know sometimes I've said I was going to make this as quick as I can, but you guys know when it comes to pro wrestling, an hour ends up going to be an hour and a half. <laughs> so, um, but I appreciate you guys, of course, always tuning in, always hitting that notification bell and, uh, and just always just, you know, just being a part of this community, man. Thank you guys so much and being a part and, and being a part of these podcasts and listening to every episode. I was unsure if, uh, I was going to be doing a podcast either tonight or waiting uh, for Saturdays as, you know, of course, with our new schedule with me and Brian, we've been saving a lot of these raw, these raw talks, no pun intended to the post show that they do. <laughs> right. Uh, but a lot of raw Monday night, raw talk that we do on Saturdays. We've been usually holding it off on Saturday, but at least for this week, um, you know, you guys will get uh, you guys gotten your, your full raw review and again from head to toe. So um, but again, appreciate you guys as always. Um, of course, whether you guys are watching this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we appreciate you guys always tuning into every single episode. Make sure you guys follow us on our social medias. Make sure you join our Facebook group as well as our Instagram and TikTok. Our ruthless or Instagram and TikTok is ruthless underscore talk. That is our username as we are slowly approaching 900 followers on Instagram. Um, you know, I sound like a broken record. <laughs> I know every time when I bring up these milestones, man, um, it is unbelievable as we are just about 20, 20 followers away from hitting that 900 mark. So make sure you guys spread the word, make sure you guys let them know that this is the podcast, the wrestling podcast to be. So make sure you spread the word as well as stay tuned for more episodes to come as well as our TikTok, as we are officially surpassed over 500 followers on TikTok, man. Yes. It is crazy how much this uh, this community has has grown and the amount of people that we have brought in um, to these podcasts and to the, and and you know to our social media platforms and making content and all that stuff. So thank you guys so much, and and I want and I also want to thank you guys because I feel like I don't say this enough often either. Thank you guys for understanding, you know my reasoning of how I dissect these shows and why I speak so heavily and why I get so frustrated with what companies like not just WWE, but AEW. And we're going to, me and Brian, Brian will be back Thursday when we talk uh, AEW as well as NXT um, and just how things could just be better, man. If we just hold things accountable, it's one thing to like something, but to have high standards, 
right? To not accept the bare minimum is a completely different thing. So thank you guys who follow this platform religiously and watch every episode. Thank you guys. And, and, and it's you guys that I genuinely appreciate that you guys understand, you know, the end goal um, of me voicing out as well as Brian um, in wanting to be a voice in this community and build a community that everybody can be proud of, right? You know, this is not just a community or a podcast that we just bitch and moan, just a bitch and moan. No, 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 no. It's because we want to make this company better. We want to voice out our frustrations because the product has sucked. That's just the honest truth, man. And if we don't voice out, then week after week, month after month, you're going to get the same shit, man. But so, but everybody that understands where we're coming from and understands, you know, the foundation of these rants, right? Some of these rants that me and Brian have had, um, you know, we thank you guys for your understanding and we appreciate your support. Um, and it's pe people like you that, you know, we want to, that we hope that we continue to grow this platform in this community to really be, to really be something special. Um, and, th and that's just really the end goal of all of this is there is a lot of big things left to come, uh, moving forward. There's a lot of big things, you know, that me and Brian have talked about and have planned. So make sure you guys stay tuned, man, because we are not going anywhere because this is just the beginning. That is going to do it for today's episode, everybody. My name is James Porcelli and your boy is signing off saying salute, peace out and take care, everybody. Yeah.